0: I'm Stuart Vonney. I'm Harris Faulkner. I'm Chris Wallace, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, April 8th, 2020. I'm Dave Anthony. A change at the top of the Navy in the controversy over a coronavirus stricken
1: ship. We don't know all the facts, but I can tell you what I do know. And that is there was a failure in the chain of command throughout the Pacific area.
2: I'm Jessica Rosenthal. A key side effect of this virus shutdown is an economy on the sideline, and that's impacting millions of Americans.
3: I went from making
4: $70,000 and having two best weeks of my financial career to going on food stamps this week. And I'm Kat Timph. I've got the final word on the Fox News rundown.
0: The seas. Got too rough for Thomas Modley. So the acting secretary of the Navy jumped ship, resigning on Tuesday afternoon over his handling of the crisis on the USS Theodore Roosevelt. The aircraft carrier now docked in Guam, stricken by the coronavirus. More than 200 sailors infected. Brett Crozier among them. He was the captain until Mowgli relieved him of his duty last week over a letter that sounded the alarm as the virus kept spreading on the ship. Crozier wrote to his superiors requesting assistance that they were unable to follow guidelines for quarantine, so the current strategy is ineffective. The captain wrote decisive action must be taken, removing all but 10 percent of the crew, calling it a necessary risk. We are not at war. Sailors do not need to die. The trouble is, the captain apparently shared that with a few dozen others, and it got leaked to the media. So, Crozier was reassigned.
1: Letters should not have been sent to many people, unclassified. Uh, That was a mistake. Uh, It's a mistake that shouldn't have been made, because it's unfair to the families of the people on the ship, because they get nervous. And it shows weakness.
0: That was President Trump on Monday, who added all of that about the letter aside.
1: His career prior to that was very good. So I'm going to get involved and see exactly what's going on there, because I don't want to destroy somebody for having a bad day.
0: This, as the momentum was building, to get Modley to either resign or be let go. Democrats like Joe Biden were already critical of his firing of Crozier, then Modley went on to the ship Sunday and upset the crew with a speech some saw as crude. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi wrote Captain Crozier was protecting his crew calling for help, and sadly acting Secretary Modley failed to prioritize force protection, showing a serious lack of sound judgment and strong leadership. Hours later, Modley stepped down. The Defense Secretary accepted the resignation, and Navy Undersecretary James McPherson took over. We're going to get into all of this, starting with how it all started. The virus getting on board the ship.
1: Well, obviously, being in a warship, you're in close quarters. There's no such thing as social distancing on a warship. Whether you're talking about a guided missile destroyer like USS Cole or an aircraft carrier, that six feet turns into six inches.
0: Retired Navy Commander Kirk Lippold knows about bad situations at sea. He was commanding officer on the USS Cole. The warship attacked off the coast of Yemen by terrorists in 2000, leaving 17 Americans dead. And he knew it would get bad on the Roosevelt.
1: Absolutely, because unfortunately the nature of that Virus, how quickly it spreads, how contagious it is—that clearly is an indicator that the commanding officer did raise the red flags immediately to say we must get into port sooner rather than later. We must need the appropriate amount of testing kits and ability to isolate once we arrive. We need to get the crew off this ship, get the cr- get the equipment sanitized from the nuclear reactor to the weapons compartments and aircraft on out, but also the ability. For crew members to be replaced. They'd either get diagnosed or in that quarantine period so that there are people on Guam or the port they pulled, any port they pulled into. So we would have that operational flexibility that, should that aircraft carrier be needed for a mission, say China moving in the South China Sea, that it would be that national asset would be available to safeguard our national security interests.
0: All right. So Captain Crozier puts this letter out. But apparently shares it with quite a few people, and then it gets leaked to the news media, and then it becomes a bigger deal, and then he is relieved of his duty. When you heard that, what did you think?
1: Uh, I was absolutely shocked. I think that it was an overreaction by the Navy leadership at this point in time. uh, I think that we don't know all the facts, but I can tell you what I do know, and that is there was a failure in the chain of command throughout the Pacific area. The Pacific commander, Admiral Davidson, ordered that ship into Vietnam for a port visit in a peacetime environment, knowing full well and having the intelligence capacity and capability resident in his command to know the jeopardy that he was putting that ship in. Yet he said, let's put it in there anyway. Obviously, it had to do with our relationship with Vietnam, trying to develop them as a bulwark against China expansion throughout the region. But nonetheless, it was an unnecessary risk. Whoever did the risk management analysis on this clearly failed. And there was no pushback down the chain of command from the Pacific Fleet commander, from the Seventh Fleet commander. And I think what a lot of people also don't realize is embarked on that aircraft carrier on board Theodore Roosevelt, literally doors down from the captain, is a one or two star admiral who is the carrier strike group commander. Where's he in this process? He's considered what we call the senior officer presently afloat, or SOPA. He clearly should have been far more engaged than what he was, and there was obviously a failure in command leadership through the entire admiral ranks in this case.
0: When Captain Brett Crozier was removed from the ship, he was loudly cheered by his crew. Two days later, Acting Secretary Modley went to Guam, boarded the aircraft carrier, and addressed those same sailors calling the captain's actions a betrayal, saying if the captain didn't know what he wrote would be leaked.
1: He was A, too naive or too stupid to be the commanding officer of a ship like this.
0: Modley also told the crew he understands they love their captain, but they're not required to. And he threw in an F-bomb in his remarks.
1: I was absolutely stunned. When I was on active duty, I worked for two secretaries of the Navy, Secretaries Dalton and Danzig during the Clinton administration. And I will tell you right now, it it was beyond my comprehension that an acting secretary of the Navy would say something that disparaging about an active duty naval officer in front of his career. That type of unprofessional behavior by an acting secretary was wholly inappropriate. And prior to the ship pulling into Guam, after the port visit in Vietnam, when they were being diagnosed with cases of COVID, the CEO was involved in daily press conferences back with the Bureau of Personnel, the Bureau of Medicine. They were working to get him the kits. The chain of command was aware of the issue. What I don't think the chain of command appreciated Now, and I ran into the same problem when I was trying to describe The scope of damage on board USS Cole following the attack by al-Qaeda is they didn't have a true appreciation of the urgency and the necessity to get some of the support there, to get the testing kits there, to make the arrangements for the ship to get into port quicker than they were directing it to, to have the facility set up to quarantine them. So this is where I think you see the failure on the chain of command, which then drove Captain Crozier to write that letter. But in writing that letter, I think he too somewhat failed because it would be my opinion, there were a lot more avenues available to him to exercise within Navy channels that weren't exercised. And Secretary Modley, acting Secretary Modley saying, he could have called me up. Th- that's laughable. It shows you he he he's clueless because a ship CEO does not just pick up the phone call the Secretary of the Navy of Pentagon and hold a conversation. That, that, that is not how a chain of command works at all.
0: The day before Thomas Modley resigned, as what he said to the crew of the ship made waves, he wrote a letter directly apologizing to Captain Crozier, his family, and the entire crew of the ship, and for his choice of words, naive and stupid, adding the captain is actually smart and passionate, and sent that alarming letter on purpose to draw public attention to the situation on the ship. Now, we talked to Commander Lippold hours before Modley's resignation, and he was among those not interested in hearing him say sorry.
1: I do not accept this apology at all. Acting Secretary Modley had time after he fired Captain Crozier. He literally had hours and hours to think about what he was going to say to that crew before he arrived. And what he said about that, Captain, was done with malice and forethought. He is apologizing because he's getting squeezed politically. He is not apologizing because he believes it in his heart. So, therefore, I don't lend any credence to it. So,
0: what happens next? What happens to the Theodore Roosevelt still stationed at Guam? You have sailors on the island isolated. You have all those who are recovering from the infection. What what do they do?
1: I, I think the number one thing the Navy is in the process of doing right now is, number one, making sure that that ship is getting clean top to bottom. This is going to be the cleanest that ship's probably ever been in its lifetime, even when it was brand new coming commissioned into the Navy, because it's going to get a thorough scrub down to get every single trace that they can find of COVID-19 off of that ship. In doing so, at the same time, the Navy should be getting ready, or if not already, surging additional forces out there on temporary duty to take over positions that if necessary, you have a crew and an air wing available and ready to go that should a national security mission arise, which obviously be driven by China. But if they have a national security mission, that ship can still get underway and execute operational missions necessary to safeguard our national security. But at the same time, we're also making sure that those crew members are being taken care of. When you see almost 50% of the Navy's active cases of COVID coming off of that one ship, that should be demonstrating to the American people the ruthless nature of this virus, how quickly it spreads in close quarters with these crew members. So I think appropriate attention is being focused on it. And now we just have to hope what happens next in the uh, regarding Captain Crozier. I I don't know. I still still think that a lot of facts need to come out. And, you know, the other day when they said, well, the vice chief of naval operations is going to conduct a uh, an investigation into this. That's really Washington bureaucrats saying, hey, Captain, it'd be wise not to say a word because uh, we certainly could find things to punish you for should we need to.
0: What? Where would? Where would someone like? He's in limbo. So, what does he do right now? Where does he just stay home, or wherever he's supposed to go, and just sit for a while?
1: First and foremost, let's go out with thoughts and some prayers that he will successfully and completely recover from having. The coronavirus right now. that That's the number one priority that, that he should be focused on along with his family. Once he's through that, then the administrative process is going to kick into gear into how did this incident even come up that drove him to the point that he wrote that letter. Then we have to look at the larger picture of what things may have been available, what tools may have been available for him within the chain of command that he could have exercised short of writing that letter. And if he, in fact, were backed into that corner because his Chain of command was failing him. Let's not just look down the chain of command with this investigation. Let's look up his chain of command as well to that strike group commander, that fleet commander, that Pacific fleet commander, that Pacific commander, and find out why they weren't doing what was necessary when they obviously have far more tools available to them, far more communications channels available to them. And obviously, those weren't working to the benefit of that crew.
0: All right. Commander Liphold, thank you very much for joining us, and we appreciate you uh, being here.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure to be on again, and uh, for all those that are out there, as I like to say, stay safe, stay sanitary, but don't forget to stay sane as well. (laughs) Advice we could all use right now. Thank you, Commander. Thank you.
4: This is Kat Temp with your Fox News commentary coming
2: up. As millions of us hunker down, hide away and fear the virus, others are feeling all of those feelings while also watching their dwindling bank account. While the deaths from the virus are tragic, the other tragedy here is the job loss, the fear over paying bills and worry about the future. Will banks that deferred mortgages or landlords that pushed off rent expect full payments in a few months? Millions of Americans are filing for unemployment right now, or they're trying to. There are reports of overwhelmed systems, calls going unanswered. Google is offering some logistical help in New York. In California, due to current events, we are experiencing a large increase in claims filed and are extending our staff resources to keep up with the demand. State officials say they're still waiting on federal guidance for unemployment for independent contractors, which is kind of a big deal in a state that basically relies on gig economy workers. Total job loss claims so far appear to be in the roughly 10 million range. Could be higher, though, as people struggle to finalize those claims and it may grow higher still. There are reports that getting those small business loans that you can only really get if you keep your employees are slow in coming. The financial institutions in charge of doling out the federal stimulus money recently asked for Congress to provide some liquidity to help them. Meanwhile, millions of Americans wait to get back to some semblance of normal.
5: We're all obviously dealing with just the loss of work.
2: Avi Lieberman is a stand-up comedian and screenwriter. You
5: know, you look at your calendar and all these jobs that you had coming up, and they're just gone. It's evaporated. And some of them you hope will be rescheduled, but there's no rescheduling like I know uh, Passover starts. So I was supposed to be in Prague and Greece this upcoming week uh, working there. So as upsetting as that is that I don't get to go to those places, you know, I was, you know, I view those as income. There's no rescheduling Passover. And a lot of friends of mine who are comedians who work on these resorts, that's not going to be rescheduled. So that's just income lost.
2: Walk us through what happened. Because um, for a while there – You know, you had these plans to travel. You had these Passover plans to perform. And by the way, for those listeners who don't know, I mean, Passover programs are really big business. Um, They're booked months in advance. It's thousands of dollars to attend one. This is where a lot of performers make a lot of money. Um, Walk us through sort of how you started to slowly realize that you were going to be losing a, a lot of your livelihood, a lot of your income.
5: Yeah, well, I was basically, I was in Ireland uh, doing some work there on, uh, I also uh, write films. So I was doing, I was meeting with the production company there about a film I wrote. And then I'd flown back to LA for a day and then I had four shows scheduled in New York. So I immediately flew there. And a colleague of mine, a fellow comedian, so listen, Avi, I'm arranging this sort of dinner party. Can you just extend your ticket by a few days? And I said, you're sure this is gonna go? He said, yeah, and this was just when sort of, I don't want to say use the word panic but you know the more concern about people getting together and social gatherings uh, occurred and i said you're sure he goes yeah 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 and then so i changed my flight and then within two three days he calls me back and goes it's canceled they're not doing it and that was sort of the first hint you know and then i had to change my ticket again um so all of a sudden you know i had shows that were going to pay me money and all of a sudden it's costing me money for changing my flight back and forth and that was the first show that i had that was canceled and then i got back and i got you know someone showed me an email from one of these passover program operators and it said it's hey listen we may be canceled we're not sure yet and then it sort of began to swell and i realized this is this is going to be a problem and then it's you know it just it began like dominoes they all began to drop and once once one canceled i knew all the rest would
2: talk to me about your income though you know a lot of people are suffering a lot of people are having trouble making rent making the mortgage they're worried about paying their kids school tuition if they're if they've gone that route some people are more worried than that they're they're you know they're struggling to put food on the table i mean where what's your situation i know
5: i mean yeah they just did a thing called uh comedy gives back where they had this big fundraiser and uh you know i was just like you know i i donated to it first because i felt guilty but i'm like i think i have to apply for this like you know and granted they're just they're you know, they're giving $500 to people who qualify. And it just normally I would look at that and go, well, that's not going to change my life. I was like, but now I'm like, maybe it will, you know, like that's groceries, that's food for however knows how much. So I applied for it, And you feel, you, you know, you feel guilty in a sense. And also like, I'm normally the one who's trying to give charity as opposed to the other way around. Right. And it's, I talked to the woman, you know, my friend Jody Lieberman who runs it and she said, apply, you should, I'll be like, this is what this is for, right. you know? Um, so it's just weird. You have all these situations that, you know I comics would constantly tease me. i'm I'm very cheap to myself, not to others, but uh, I try to I'm <laughs> like you know I they would jokingly taunt me like when I'm in New York City, like I'm not taking a cab, I'm taking the subway. I don't care. you know, it just it, to me it's a waste of money. And they taunt and tease me. I'm like, ah, now who's the smart guy? me hoarding all the money <laughs> because of you know <laughs> days like this, I don't feel like such an idiot anymore. but yes, yeah, it's it's still scary, like I don't want to dip into my savings. You know, normally, I thank God we'll have enough money in the bank to like cover you know, basic bills and stuff. But now it's like, who knows? I don't know if I'm not working for the next two or three months. Like, I'm not sure whether I can do that. Are you filing for unemployment? Oh, I tried. And it just, it's the same like everybody else. Like it just, you can't get through on the phone. I went online and like part of the process, I think is that you have to call and it's just, there's no chance. I, I tried, I went online and looked at it and it, it's, some of it was a little confused. Like I wasn't sure because as an independent contractor, it's, it's not as easy for me. It's a little bit different. Um, You know, I applied for some artist grant that my manager had sent me. Um, You know, I'm not counting on getting that. Uh, And there are these small business loans and stuff that uh, you may not have to pay back and things like that. But it's, you know, everybody's doing that. So again, it's if you have the whole world doing it, it's, you know, I just saw a a report that somebody who called 50 times every day for two weeks in New York and just couldn't get through. The last part of their unemployment process was making a phone call Mm. and you can't get through. You know, so it's just... Yeah. You know, how much motivation do you have when you hear everybody else can't get through there? So,
2: well, are you and are you hopeful that you might get some of the stimulus money, this CARES Act money? Are you waiting on that at all?
5: Uh, yeah, I think I, I, I qualify for that. So I know I mean, I paid my taxes. So I think it's, I think that's just sent into your bank account, that twelve hundred bucks. So, I mean, I'm hoping that I get that. I mean, I haven't really checked with my bank because it's just uh, I don't want the, the you know, it's, it's a little bit too depressing that I can't go there and deposit checks. Um, so, <laughs> um, you know, but. <laughs> Um, You know, it's yeah, you hope you get that. But at this point, I think whatever help you can get, take it. You know, you you have to kind of throw pride out the window.
2: Now, Mandy Visser works in the Bay Area now, but she just moved there from Texas right before the virus pandemic started to cause panic.
3: Yeah, I went from making $70,000 and having two best weeks of my financial career to going on food stamps this week. So, whoa, Mandy, how did your
2: life change in such a short time span?
3: Well, I'm a corporate trainer for a high-end restaurant chain, so I move around a lot, and I've always, I've been 15 years with the same company, and I've never ever felt like I've never had job security with this company because they've, you know, they've been showing success rates and everything like that, and it's a great job. Um, and then, you know, I didn't think it was real. This whole thing was happening. So they were like, other restaurants are closing down. We're like, ours won't. Ours won't. And you know. And one Sunday morning on the 15th, it just, everything came to a standstill. So obviously life changed a little bit, but um, I have my boyfriend and uh, two other the roommates that I split everything with. Uh, we're just more concerned about the outbreak, though, because we live right next to the port of Oakland where they dropped off a bunch of infected people. And, you know, San Francisco is like very much like New York. I take the train every day to work. Um, so we've just really been staying, you know, inside. That's the hardest part because I'm I'm not an inside person. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like that team. Check on your extrovert friends.
2: (laughs) Oh, right. Um, so so you, what happened? You, when you say things kind of came to a standstill, you, what, did you lose your job? Were you furloughed? furloughed.
3: Yeah, we were furloughed. We didn't think we were going to close down and and we probably wouldn't have had it not been mandated. You know, everything closed down. We're doing to-go orders and I'm helping with that a little bit, but... Now I've been in hospitality for twenty some years. this is crazy. I never thought I wouldn't have a job. Right? Doing what I do, I'm also an esthetician, you know. But there's nothing's available. I can't do anything. I don't even want to have people in my home doing things that I usually could do to make side money. I just want to be around other people. It's crazy. Did you have you filed for unemployment? I have, and I'm having a little bit of trouble because I just moved here um, in February. And so I did file with California, but I was living in Texas. I travel for work, so I don't know. I, I don't know if they're going to give me any money, which is kind of a little terrifying. But I have enough saved up for this to last about two months, and then uh, we'll see.
2: <laughs> well,
3: what about There's the government goes.
2: stimulus money? Are you hopeful that might come into play for you?
3: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, and unfortunately, I. I've, I like to travel. I just went to Costa Rica, and I moved, so that put me in a little bit of a a dead hole. So anything that they're going to give us is going to be helpful, but I could probably make more money selling some of my old purses and watches and things like that that I have. (laughs) I mean, we're grateful, though, definitely grateful for whatever the government can give us, but it is a very unique situation because all my roommates are also in the industry, servers, bartenders, so we are all in the same boat
2: yeah and your company specifically did have do you know if they are trying to apply for like small business loans to keep you guys on as employees
3: so they furloughed most of the employees um except for a few managers that are getting half pay um and yeah i mean we're just kind of hoping that it doesn't last too much longer i really think that my restaurant will bounce back i don't know about other ones Um,
2: Do you think, though, that you'll have a job with this particular company when this is over? Yes, absolutely, yeah. Okay. So there's some hope. There's some hope in the mix of all this that you can maybe go back to where you were working and resume life as normal.
3: Absolutely. If it doesn't go on for another, like I said, I mean, I was like, oh, cool, April, that's fine. May, maybe, but like June, July, like, uh, I don't know. It'll be tough.
2: Mandy, finally, of all the things that have come out of this, you know, how do you think life will permanently change for you?
3: I think people are going to take things like this more serious. This is like the first time I think ever that we've ever had the government tell us to stay inside and, you know, the virus could take us out. Um, I I hope to, I mean, as far as my life, everybody's life is a little bit different. You know, we're going to appreciate going outside and, Handshakes and seeing people and traveling, all that stuff we take for granted.
2: Mandy Visser, thank you so much for your time. Of course, thank you so much.
6: It's the latest from Fox News Podcasts, The Campaign with Brett Bear, with updates from reporters on the trail and in-studio experts. Brett keeps you informed on the 2020 race. Go to foxnewspodcast.com and download The Campaign with Brett Bear now. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Cat-temp. Cat-temp. What's on your mind?
4: During a recent press conference, President Trump brought out Mike Lindell Better known as the My Pillow Guy, to announce that his company'd be making masks to help combat the spread of the coronavirus. The response to Lindell's potentially life saving efforts? Mockery, mostly. Now, I can understand how seeing the dude you'd only ever seen hawking pillows suddenly take the stage at a presidential press conference could be a little jarring. What's more, I can actually also understand some level of mockery, too. I'm a non-religious Gary Johnson voter, and even if I weren't either of those things, I probably still wouldn't have been able to stop myself from rolling my eyes at Lindell's claim that God himself had brought President Trump to us in 2016. At the same time though, I think that amid all the eye rolling, no matter how warranted it may be, we miss the chance to talk about something else that's quite warranted too the way that private companies have been making a difference in our fight against this pandemic. Make no mistake, efforts such as Lindell's are not just commendable, they are actually crucial in our fight against the coronavirus. I'm not saying that the government has no role to play in fighting this pandemic, it certainly does. But the truth is, far too much of the conversation on this issue is completely centered on debates around the government response when reality shows us that the government is only one part of the equation. In fact, the examples of private companies aiming to make a difference are far too many for me to list. To name a few, Cascade LaCrosse, a company that specializes in making helmets and other protective gear for athletes, is now making face shields for hospital employees and first responders. Clothing brands including Hanes and Gap are preparing to start making masks and other protective equipment, and Neiman Marcus has people sewing scrubs using donated materials from Joanne Fabrics and Crafts. A Maine based startup, Tissue Plus, has been working around the clock to combat the toilet paper shortage. Then there's this Singapore's Baratus Laboratories, for example, said it will soon release lab on chip kits to test patients for three kinds of coronavirus within two hours four American startups had also launched at-home test kits until the Food and Drug Administration unwisely demanded that they stop issuing or testing kits. This issue with the government getting in the way of testing is unfortunately not new. Goes back months, and I've written about that last month. Yes, the MyPillow guy seems like a dork. It's fine to say that. I just did. The thing is, though, he's also a dork who's an American success story. Michael Lindell is a former crack addict who started his own company, which grew to be worth an estimated $300 million as of 2018, and now he's using his wealth and resources to help get us through this. The whole thing is truly a microcosm for the beauty of capitalism. A guy who came from the bottom, worked his way to the top, and is now using what he's earned to aid the country in a time of crisis. Private efforts and solutions in times like this are wonderful to see. They are, after all, not only helping us to mitigate the public health crisis that we're facing, but they're also helping us to at least reduce our economic one. We should all be celebrating this and, most importantly, cheering for it to continue. I'm Kat Tim.
6: You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. It's the Hammer Time podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and foxnewspodcasts.com.